Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here, No Huddle Show. As always, here with Mike K for our preview episode. We actually did a midweek pod earlier this week, but due to some technical difficulties and our screw-ups, we had to take the L on this one. We had some hot takes, some smoking hot takes on that one that are never going to see the light of day unless somebody pulls up like the lost, the lost episodes. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's going to be, an, it needs to be an Indiana Jones of uh, audio archives to find that one, and I, I think for probably our benefit. Yes, as I talked about on that one, that is now just in in the cloud somewhere. Uh, I was told that I cut you off way too much, and it's my goal today to not do that. We actually have something attached to me that shocks me anytime I interrupt him. So it's going to be really painful if I did not. Yeah, we, don't have that. we, we tried, should get that. Problem. We tried doing a cutoff jar, and uh, you know Zach's dog just kept putting her face in it. It was just very weird. I don't know what <laughs> she was doing there. But yeah, so we we are both pretty amped up. We're going to Nashville. It's one of my favorite cities I've ever visited. I I, I was there for leisure. Got to enjoy some of that hot chicken and honky tonk. Even though I don't like country music, I still really like Nashville. Some cool people out there. They call it Nash Vegas for a reason. You've been there before, right? Yes, covering the AFC South. And you've Woo! had hot chicken. Sorry what to a, cut you off. Yeah. You've had hot chicken. <laughs> I have. My last cut off. What a what a what a trip those Delicious. Have, that has been. Um, you know, the Titans are an interesting franchise. I love their stadium, Nissan Stadium. Uh, I really love their city. I just think the team overall is the least newsworthy in the NFL, even when they're bad like the Jaguars when they were bad and coming from covering them at least you had that they were like the laughing sock of the league and people would like they would were make like joke. bad bad yeah. yeah you would have Lisa Lampanelli make a joke about a Waffle House <laughs> in in Jacksonville or you would have uh it's a whole plot line on a good place I don't know if you ever watched yeah that show, right yeah. exactly you got that you have Deadpool talking about a TGI Friday like people would talk about Jacksonville but I feel like when the Titans are bad no one talks about them when they're good yeah they kind of talk about them that Chiefs game uh, in the playoffs, was probably the least publicized of all the playoff matchups, including the Jaguars' uh, couple of matchups too. So, I while we can downplay them in in the media and then the news, this is going to be a tough matchup for the Eagles this week. And I think when you look at how both of these teams stack up, this is going to be the first three four look that the Eagles' offense is going to see this year. You also have on offense probably the most mobile of the guys. I mean, you're not going to say Matt Ryan or Ryan Fitzpatrick or Andrew Lux even really. Though he did have on, that 33-yard scamper, yeah. Right, or, or on the same stratosphere as, as um, Marcus Mariota. who Jim Schwartz you, called him the fastest quarterback in the NFL. Right, and you did a wonderful piece on, you know, Mariota's history or potential history with the Eagles uh, during the Chip yeah, Kelly. Chip Kelly was trying to trade uh, half the roster for him. <laughs> you know what? I mean... It worked out. That's an interesting time in Eagles history. You and I were talking about this. I think Chip Kelly had the worst one-year stint uh, with roster control of anyone over the last 15 years. When you look at his draft, the only two guys that are remaining are Nelson Aguilar and Jordan Hicks. Which is wild, because if you look at all the moves, he even people he acquired, I think those are the only two players that are still here. Right. You can look at the... You could 
talk about the extension for Brandon Graham, which turned out to be such a great move. But outside of that, what, I mean, you know, he he DeMarco brought Murray, Byron Maxwell, Sam Bradford. He traded Kiko. He traded Foles. For he Bradford. traded Lashawn McCoy, Kiko who is the best running back in Eagles history, in my opinion. He's got the yards to prove it. For a guy with no with one knee, like what are we doing here, kids? Or Oregon alum, that's why. Yeah, Oregon alum. All about them Pac-12 alums. Yeah, which I am too, so I get it. No, I mean it I'm makes sense to me. I actually love the Pac-12, but for me, it's like you look back at that history, and you while it was wild and awful, it led to <laughs> wild and awful. It led to Howie Roseman, reta- you know, learning and retaining his, you know, his role, and I think. It probably led to Joe Douglas coming in because they needed a football mind. I think Howie's even said that that year away, he, he kind of studied a lot of other people. He talked right. to a lot of people. I don't know if he'd be the GM that he is now and willing to like take the swings and, and do the things he does. Like I think he learned quite, he learned to delegate, too, well, which is, I, like you said, Joe Douglas coming in. Well, th- that's the thing. He used to take swings all the time. Yeah, now yeah, he's yeah. making, it was like... Just, it was just swings. Now it's yeah, like... Now he's taking... Calcul- like, he's going... Calculated. For, yeah, yeah he's he's swinging for, for, for a triple when before he was swinging for a home... He was doing an Adam Dunn where he would swing for a home run every time. And if he missed it, he would immediately struck I mean, out. And, and if you think... Of, I mean, we're, we're, getting, we're going into the weeds here a little bit. But, uh, I mean, if you think about it, he has a lot of his... The big swing was Carson Wentz. The other ones really haven't. A lot of the things he's done haven't been that risky. He's mostly done short-term contracts. He's gotten veteran guys who are proven, and you know they, they've 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 drafted guys who have been able to play kind of right away. So I, you can you can I think while Eagles fans didn't enjoy in that that crazy last year, Chip Kelly was here where he got fired before the end of the year. I think it was worth it in the long run. Clearly, they won the Super Bowl. Right, and, and if you look at the Carson Wentz, so you can say it was risky. Wentz is one of the best college quarterback prospects of the last 10 years. Like, just on based on his college film. I know he came from playing, you know, at North Dakota State, but he clearly was a great prospect. And I think he realized that you're nothing without a quarterback. They had gone without a substantial franchise quarterback since McNabb. And, you know, he made the move. And I think he paid off for it. I mean... Winning all these awards, winning the Super Bowl, doing all this stuff. Howie's the best GM in the league right now. I mean, and I don't know if it's close. Uh, and that's that's there's no bias there. That's look at what he has done. Look at what they were able to go through with injuries last year, and they still won the Super Bowl. That just tells you everything you need to know. I mean, they've been beaten up and mangled early this season. They're two and one. That's a good, nice segue into. We'll start getting into our. our routine that we're going to get into on Fridays, and we'll start with the injury report that came out today. Pretty extensive one. Some interesting stuff on there. Uh, the two newsiest things, I guess we haven't technically talked about it yet on this podcast, but Rodney McLeod hurt his knee last week. It looked serious. We weren't sure yet. We didn't want to speculate after the game. He's He had surgery reportedly. Oh, no, they confirmed it. Doug Peterson confirmed it. That, that, he, that he did have surgery. He didn't t- give any other details, but right. the report was from uh, Derek Gunn at NBC Sports Philadelphia that he had the surgery on Thursday morning, I believe, and will likely miss the season. It makes sense. It's an M-scale injury. Probably more than that. Uh, I mean, I, it's a pretty – it's a it's a loss more – less because of, like, necessarily who Rodney McLeod is, which is a solid veteran, than what they have to replace him, which is Corey Graham – 33-year-old guy who 
has played a valuable role as kind of like a hybrid safety cornerback. They they throw him in dimes and nickel. He, he hasn't even necessarily played safety, like exclusively safety all that much, which is what he's probably going to be doing now. And that moves DeAndre Hall up the depth chart, who hasn't even played a defensive snap this year. He only played a few last year and not many in his entire career. Well, and he's only been with the team for three and a half weeks. Yeah, and, and as of recording this, they hadn't added anybody new or Trey Sullivan hadn't been called up, which we both kind of think they're probably going to do, haul him up from the practice squad. I, it's more of a concern for now they're going to be putting more of a workload on Corey Graham, and on the flip side, they might not be able to use Malcolm Jenkins the same way in theory, right? Right, well, and, and or Graham, for that matter. You know, like you said, they move those two around quite consistently. Rodney McLeod was kind of the... the um, the guy who was set in his way, which allowed them to move guys around and have that third safety group. I mean, look, this is a loss. Um, that said, I think Rodney McLeod is a very polarizing player. I think there are people that think he is unquestionably a big deal to this defense. And then there's people that think, wow, you could really upgrade over him at free safety for the money he's getting. You know, um, I, I'm, I land somewhere in the middle. I think he's a very serviceable free safety. There's stuff that he doesn't do well. There's stuff that he does do well. They're going to miss him just from the experience and the the familiarity aspect. And I think, you know, if they bring up Trey Sullivan, I think if you're bringing up Trey Sullivan, you're bringing him up for a week or so, just knowing that, you know, this is a temporary fix. You have two inexperienced backups who have never played a regular season snap. Uh, on defense, excuse me, and, you know, then you're going to look. You really want to feel this out. They did not work out anyone Monday. They did not work out anyone Tuesday. So this was was always seemingly going to be the short-term solution, but that doesn't mean that it's, it is the final resolution to this problem. Yeah, I'll, I'll run through the, the rest of the injury report real quick, and then we can react to it a little bit. Uh, Darren Sproul is also out, a hamstring injury. Predictable. Uh, Corey Clement, questionable with the same hamstring injury that he's questionable for last week. Alshon Jeffrey, questionable with his shoulder and uh, illness, but it's more on the illness is what we're told because uh, they, the NFL requires them to put that on there. But he's fully recovered by all accounts from his shoulder injury. Uh, Nathan Gary, backup linebacker. I believe he had a groin injury. And the maybe the most positive outcome of this is that Jay Ajayi, fully healthy, full go, He's been he practiced on Friday and Thursday full go. He'll be their number one running back on Sunday. I'm curious to see what kind of workload he gets, but just generally that's kind of the look of this. It, nothing really too surprising. Jeffrey's still a question mark. My guess is that he plays, and it's going to be pretty impactful. I mean, we've talked plenty about what they've been missing with him. Uh, I, I mean, you wrote you're writing something this week about Nelson Aguilar and what his stats have been. He hasn't really gotten that many yards in large part because there hasn't been that much room to operate. And I just think Alshon Jeffrey kind of changes everything when he comes in, even if he's not himself yet. It, it Just his presence out there is going to be big. Well, if you remember last year uh, approaching the playoff run, Nick Foles really didn't target Alshon Jeffrey a lot, but he, the other weapons were able to really be productive. Um, you know, there's this whole storyline with, like, why doesn't Nick Foles on the same page as Alshon, uh, Alshon Jeffrey? And I think he still was was serviceable because he was taking away attention. He was, you know, opening up lanes for Nelson Aguilar. He was opening up lanes for LeGarrette Blount and JHI and Corey Clement. So Alshon just being out there is a big plus for them. It's not like he needs to be targeted seven times and catch five passes for 50 yards. He needs to be able to take some attention away from Aguilar and let Aguilar work because Aguilar has proven that he can be a big play machine 
It's just he's not getting the targets. You know, I think 17 pro football focus said that 17 of his uh, 27 targets have been within the 10 yard, 10 yard mark. Like you're not going to be serviceable and productive there when you're throwing into traffic and it's, you know, seven yards in front of you. I think he's only been targeted down the more than 20 yards once. And he's not necessarily like their deep threat, even though they kind of need him right now, but he still was targeted a decent amount last year. I think it was like 15 times or something like that. Uh, in terms of the other guys, Jay Jai, it's notable to talk about his injury, especially it's a, a fracture of the back. So he kind of has a broken back technically. Like, but, but in Philly, we've seen people play like that, play with a broken back before Clay Harbor. Um, it was a Thursday night game. He broke his back against the Bengals, played the whole game before going on IR. But look, you've got to manage the pain. I'm going to be interested to see what his workload is. I think you want him to be, feel as comfortable as possible heading towards the playoff run. So I'm going to guess around 10 to 15 touches. Kind of like week one. Yeah, kind yeah. of. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if Wendell Smallwood or Corey Clement started the game. Um, again, I think JHI is the best running back on this roster. I don't think it's close. And, you know, the good thing is, is that Clement and Wendell Smallwood have both shown that they can catch out of the backfield. So you don't need Ajayi out there on third down. They've both improved his blockers. Great. What I, I'm concerned about is short yardage. Because, yeah, you want to have him on first and second down, but in short yardage, you know, it's the immediate hits. It's, it's you know, a crash course. And I don't know if they have the guy to pick up that short yardage because, you know, the back may limit Ajayi a little bit. So maybe Josh Adams is that guy, but we have yet to see that. And Ajayi... It was interesting because when Ajayi has played this week, you know, he did. He was a little limited in week one. He didn't play much in the first half as he recovered from a foot injury. Then the second half, he was getting a lot of their goal line touches. He had two touchdowns. Same thing the next week. He got hurt pretty early when he hurt his back, and he played on it in the second half. Maybe that wasn't a good idea in retrospect, uh, but he scored another touchdown, short yardage. It was pretty. It was a pretty big touchdown. Uh, so I'm curious to see if that's his role going forward in general, and especially this week, because Clement kind of was their short yardage guy last year, and he really hasn't been that yet. So I wonder if they go back to that, or if they look at Josh Adams, who's a big guy, or even Wendell Smallwood, who was running the ball well last week. I'm, I'm very curious to see how they, they work that backfield this week. Um, and as, as I mentioned, Corey Clement is questionable. I, I feel like he's probably going to play unless there was – I mean, it is a little concerning that he's still questionable. Uh, a whole week later, but he'll probably play. Either way, we know that they're going to have at least three running backs, yeah, which, which is, is a better better than last week. Yeah, because that, cause when Josh Adams wasn't even on the active roster. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then he got called up and had a pretty good game. All right, now we'll get into some of our categories. Uh, we start off with the M. Night Shyamalan-inspired one, plot twist, something that maybe people aren't expecting to happen, but it, it could happen, and you could see it happening by the end of the game. What do you got? I think Smallwood's going to lead them in rushing yardage and touches. Uh, this game, he showed a lot last week. I, I think a lot there was a lot made in the moment, but then downplayed during the week just because Ajayi was on on the verge of coming back. But I think Smallwood's a guy that, if given the proper proper circumstances and the proper game plan, he can really deliver. I talked to him in the locker room today, and or, or I'm sorry on Thursday, and his confidence is at an all time high. He's really eager to get out there. He's eager to see Jay Ajayi back, but he. He feels really confident that he can be an asset as a receiver and a runner. It's funny because 
you, you think about the, recep- the perception of Smallwood before last week, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, why is he still here? Why do they keep giving him the ball? Why do they keep targeting him? It's funny how quickly things change, because it seems like it's all been positivity. People are like, I mean, you're talking about him like he's part of the backfield. I made a joke about him last week about tr- stop trying to make fetch happen like in Mean mm-hmm. Girls, because he just he, throughout his career, he hadn't really proven capable of doing what he did the other. That might have been his best game as an Eagle. So, I mean, if he can do that on a consistent basis, then they have a solid running back core. I don't know if he's going to get the most touches. I, I think they will target him in the pass game. He seems like he might be their best pass-catching option right now, maybe. Uh, Clement has shown maybe more potential. I, I actually think Ajayi might get the most touches still, as crazy as that sounds. I, I think they're going to they're gonna ride him. Uh, and then I guess my plot twist, maybe this isn't that crazy of a plot twist, but I, I actually think Alshon Jeffrey is going to be getting a full workload. I think he's going to get targeted like he was last season when he was the number one most targeted guy in this team. He had 120 targets. He was Carson Wentz's favorite target. They don't have a guy like him in the red zone. He makes everybody around him better. I don't think Zach Ertz is a great red zone weapon. They do have Zach Dallas Goddard now, so maybe even having Alshon Jeffrey there keeps Goddard wide open like he was on his touchdown last week. But I, I think Alshon's going to have a pretty good game, in his first, assuming he plays. I think he's going to have a pretty good game in his first game back. Yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty, like, if he's healthy and he's ready to go, I don't see why he wouldn't get a full workload. You know, I think a good stat line for him would be something like four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown or what have you. I think He's never been a yardage guy, so. Right, he hasn't. But I think when you look at his connection with Carson, if that starts off where it left off, um, you know, Titans are in, in, in for some trouble because they have smaller corners, uh, you know, Logan Ryan is not a big guy. Uh, neither is Adore Jackson. They're more speed dudes. And I think they can have some mismatches there, especially when they put bigger tight end sets. If they go, they go 12 personnel throughout the game. You, love that, you love that 12 personnel. I like 12 personnel <laughs> more than 13 personnel, but... Um, they should go more 12 now. That I don't think they need to use Josh Perkins right, as much. Right, yeah, I think they learned that lesson. But that said, it's nice to know that they have that in their back pocket. For sure. All right, that's a good transition into our next category, which is match game. Matchups that we're looking forward to and that are going <laughs> to... Does an Alec Baldwin, oh, no, no, the... Baldwin host the new match game? I have no idea. I, I think so. My mom watches that. I'm pretty sure he does. Oh, uh, all, right. Well. all right, so... Let's go through a few of these. I think one of the biggest ones is probably the Eagles offensive line versus the Titans defensive line. Uh, Titans defensive line is probably underrated. They, they have some mm-hmm. talented guys there. I think Jarrell Casey is the most talented one in the interior. Uh, Brandon Brooks is going to be blocking him. Brandon Brooks is one of the best guards in the NFL. That's going to be a very interesting matchup. And I think Jarrell Casey makes everybody around him better when he's when he's working. Uh, I mean, you've seen him play more than I have, obviously. And they also have what, Four- Der- Derek Morgan, and who are, who's their other really good defensive end. Well, he, he's he's a edge edge rusher, edge yeah, rusher, but sorry. Uh, Brian Arakbo. Brian Arakbo, but the yeah, guy yeah. that I'm most interested in seeing is former Eagles uh, third round pick Benny Logan. Oh, I forgot who I Titans, actually. Who, who's gonna play? Was he a Chip draft pick or when Chip was here? Uh, he, he was Chip's first draft. Uh, how he was still in charge, but yeah, 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 pretty much. But he's a guy that I think could do well against the run. Um, he's long limbed. Uh, he's not a big guy, but he's got long arms, and I think he's an interesting guy for them. Jarrell Casey, as you mentioned, can be a terror. Uh, they have good linebackers. Their secondary hit or miss. I think Adore Jackson's a special player, but you know that's when he has the ball in his hands as a returner. Yeah. So the next matchup I'm looking forward to has less to do with like how important it's going to be in this game, while I think it's going to be important, but 
it's the Eagles receivers going against Malcolm Butler. According to a lot of right. Patriots fans and Patri- some Patriots players, they were going to win if he had played in that game, which he <laughs> mysteriously didn't. I, I I don't have a, I can't find his stats. I had them in front of me uh, the other day, but I think he had given up like 200 and like 50 yards this season already. He's he's given Whoa. up some of the most yards in the NFL so far this season. He I think he's an okay cornerback. But that that whole plot line was just ridiculous. like that, that was not going to make the difference in the game, especially with how much Nick Foles lit them up. Like he was going to light them up anyway. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It I is going to be funny to see if if he like just gets lit up again this week and that storyline can go to die. Well, especially if he's going up against Aguilar. Right? That's yeah. a, that would be an interesting matchup. Um, you know, they have three good corners. Yeah. It's just a matter of how they match up. I'd like to see some tight ends get matched up against these corners, just from a, a big small perspective. But yeah, I, I, from a wide receiver uh, look, if Jeffrey doesn't play, then the pendulum kind of swings in the Titans' favor a little bit, I think. If not, I mean, if Jeffrey's out there, it's a massive size advantage over all three of those guys. Yeah. All right, and another big one, and this is kind of, Jim Schwartz kind of made a joke about how uh, somebody asked him about how the Titans run the ball a lot, and it's only mm-hmm. like 20 to 25 times. And it's like <laughs> it's just funny to think like how, how much the NFL has changed over the last – 5, 10, 15 years, or even less than that, to where 25 carries is considered a lot. But the Titans are a little more old school. Uh, they have two running backs, the kind of old school Thunder and Lightning kind of thing with Deion Lewis, former Eagle, who was mm-hmm. cut, uh, and uh, Derrick Henry. You know, they have the Deion Lewis, who's the shifty pass-catching guy, and Derrick Henry is a huge you know, truck who's hard to bring down. That kind of drives their offense, plus Marcus Mariota, who, as we mentioned, might be the fastest quarterback, at least starting quarterback in the NFL. It's going to be – that's going to kind of dictate how this goes. You know, the Eagles have shut down running backs so far this season, all three games, even the loss to the Buccaneers, although Peyton Barber isn't really, you know, that scary anyway. But You put some respect <laughs> on his name. Yeah. But, you know, but I, I, the Eagles' defense has struggled a little bit on the road relative to how dominant they are at home. So that if the Titans come out and get some big gains in the beginning of that game, Derrick Henry gets a touchdown or something and opens up the floodgates, like I'm, I'd be concerned. But – Eagles' run defense is really good. So, if, if anything, I think they're going to be okay in that regard. Well, and I think, you know, the plan is because of – well, everybody's plan is to get up big early, but they're probably going to try to force some big plays downfield relatively early on. If they can build a solid lead, <clears throat> then it takes away the Titans' advantage in running the football. And it's important to note that Mariota is also banged up. Uh, he wasn't supposed to play last week. I think he had, what, a wrist injury or something like that? He's got something up with his hand. Yeah, where his hand, which isn't ideal for a quarterback. No. He wasn't supposed no. to play. Blaine Gabbert started, got hurt. They had to sign Austin Davis this week to be his backup. So, like, there's a scenario where the Eagles go. So, if Marcus Mayer is not himself and they have to take him out, like, this could be a blowout. I, could I, be. I think there's a – I think people – I know it's a road game and people are kind of hedging – I, I think it, I didn't predict a blowout, but I think it could turn into one. Honestly, if Mariota, especially if Mariota's not himself and he starts turning it over like he was last season, but that, that's kind of just something to keep in mind. The Eagles are going to be coming at Marcus Mariota. The, the Titans have a pretty good offensive line. I think Jack Conklin, uh, Taylor Lewan, a couple of really talented guys in there. So that's going to be something to to talk about. All right, our, we'll get to our next one where we I, I throw out a couple things. We each take turns predicting what we think is going to happen with this. Last week we we looked at who Carson Wentz's first pass and his first touchdown was going to go to. We both got it wrong. I said Jordan Matthews. You said Zach Ertz, I believe. <laughs> and we were way off on that. Uh, so the first one I have for us is uh, predict Alshon Jeffrey's style. And you, also, you already kind of predicted what you think. Well, you said what, what a good, that would be a good, good day. I'm going to go with four 
for 52 and a touchdown. I'm going to say he gets five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. Hmm. That's a pretty good day. That's a pretty especially, good day. coming off. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I feel like we have to do that every week at yeah, this point. Well, every episode, even. Larry David, legend. Come on the podcast, Larry David. I know you're listening. Probably. <laughs> He's a big No Huddle Show fan. All right, another one, because there, there, there's a lot of different players who are going to rush the ball this game. I thought it would be fun if we each ranked who we think the top three rushers are going to be in this game. From both teams. From both teams. Uh, so I'll go Derrick Henry, G- uh, Wendell Smallwood, since I predicted it, and then JHI. <laughs> yeah, you got to stick with your guns. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go weird. I'm going to go one JHI, two Marcus Mariota, and three Derrick Henry. Okay. That's not really that weird. I but know. Yeah. In my head, it was weird because JHI is a broken back and the other is a quarterback. So. Oh, here I got a prediction for you. There will be a non running back that has at least a 10-yard gain off a run in this game. Wait, an, say that one more time. So there'll be a non-running back that at least runs a, the football for either side that gets a... So you think there's going to be some trickeration going on? Yes, I do. I mean, I don't think there'll be like Nick Foles is the best wide receiver per pro football focus on the team sort of <laughs> trickery, but I think... Uh, I we think, haven't seen a Philly special with Carson Wentz yet. That would be dope. We have not. Um... But I'd pay to see it. No, I wouldn't, because I'm in the press box. But my point is... <laughs> get is, that for free. Yeah, we get that for free. But uh, <laughs> it would be very fun to see him kind of uh, become a, a receiving threat to where you have to worry about their quarterbacks every single time. And he's actually a guy who can take the ball down the field, too. Yeah. All right, then now let's uh, let's get into our score prediction. Oh, what do you got? Who? What's the score? Who wins? Why? I think I said 24 to 20, Philly. I think I have it right here. You said 24 to 20. Good guess. Hey, now give us your reason. It's almost man. like I made that prediction. <laughs> Explain yourself. Um, so, look, this offense is very limited by injuries. That said, Carson Wentz factor, he looked rusty a little bit against the Colts. I don't think he'll be rusty here. Uh, with Jeffrey coming back, whether he's a force or not, I think. That puts the Eagles at an advantage. I also really like what I saw from Wendell Smallwood and have a lot more confidence. You love in the, Wendell in Smallwood. The, no, I just, I just <laughs> like that. I feel like there's actual running back depth that wasn't seen before. It's kind of like how the cornerback depth kind of emerged last year. So you're saying they don't need a trade for Le'Veon Bell, like, like, a, yeah, I would. Like one report indicated this week. That yeah, I would. Sleeper wouldn't. team. I wouldn't. <laughs> It was ridiculous when that was said. We actually debated this on our Wednesday pod that got deleted. You'll never hear that, as mentioned. <laughs> Probably for the best. <laughs> you did say it. I, I remember accusing you of predicting that they were going to do it, actually. But <laughs> you kind of indicated. You threw out some scenarios, and that's all I'm going to say. All right. <laughs> My prediction, uh, I actually think this could turn into a blowout, but I went a little – It's okay, I, I said 21 to 10 Eagles, which is fairly blowout-ish because 10 points isn't very much, especially for a home team. Uh, but I, I just think Carson Wentz in his second week, getting into a groove, getting into a groove with this offense. He has Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. If Alshon Jeffrey's back, this offense is going to be hard to stop. If J.J. is himself, you add in Wendell Smallwood, you add in Corey Clement. And I just think this defense, I am a little concerned about them replacing Rodney McLeod on, on kind of short notice like that and the way they have to move Corey Graham over there. And I think they might use Razul Douglas a little more this week, maybe mm-hmm. in like, like an extra defensive back role. We didn't really talk about that. But that, I mean, let's let's sidetrack for a second here. Do you are, are you in the camp that they should move him or Jalen Mills to safety 
I think now, I think Rasul Douglas needs to be on the field. Period. I don't care what you're using him as. Would you throw him out there at safety, or would you? Or like just extra defensive back kind of thing. I would give him like specific looks. Yeah, I mean, he just makes plays. He he just makes plays. I mean, he did it at West Virginia. I think he led the country in interceptions his final year at West Virginia. I spoke to him the other day. He told me, "Man, I'd even play defensive tackle just to get on the field." (laughs) He's a team first guy. I think he's pretty smart. Um, except when he acted like Rodney McLeod was not injured uh, when I yeah, asked him about he, it. Yeah, he, he played dumb. Yeah, he played dumb you. there. But but I think he's a guy that can make plays, especially with his face facing the ball. Um, I mean, if you look at it, when his uh, I just I just cut you off, so I I just got shocked. It hurt a lot. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> but when he he's kind of had like extremes. Like in the preseason, there was one game where he had like a really impressive interception. Like shortly after he had given up a really bad big play where he like bit on a fake. So he's he's a guy that like takes a lot of risks and I feel like you probably want that more with a safety than a corner, right? right? Yeah, and and also I think that's kind of like the makeup of this team, right? They they're really I mean, that's kind of Doug's makeup, yeah. Right. They're good about forgetting the bad play and then just playing on. So yeah, I would give it a shot. Maybe not this week, but definitely prolonged in the future. Is it worth bringing in a guy like TJ Ward or uh, Nate Allen or whoever who's probably run down a little bit? And is it, yeah, they have experience, but they're probably a little bit slower. Uh, there's no upside there. Rasul's a guy that can't get on the field because they like the corner depth of Mills, Darby, and and um, Jones. And you still have uh, Vontae Maddox create a role for Rasul because moving forward, McLeod might've played his last game as an Eagle last week. You're going to possibly lose Darby. You need Douglas to have the experience out there and be playing pretty regularly. What about Earl Thomas though? What about him? (laughs) You know, I look, I don't know how you'd meet his financial needs. I I also, but could you imagine Earl Thomas and Brandon Graham on the same team. I think like it, it has to happen. I think Eagles Twitter would implode. Like, they, it, how long were you? They were mad about that picking Earl Thomas over, uh, not not picking Earl Thomas and picking Brandon Graham in 2010, probably until like a year or two ago. Right. Like it had extended it, quite a long so, time. The wounds are still Once fresh. Because Brandon Graham took a while to become the player he is now. Which and, and the funny thing is, if they hypothetically traded like a second round pick for Earl Thomas, which I don't know if how he would do that anyway. They do have a lot of draft picks. They have two second round picks. Because uh, the Ravens traded up to get their pick to get Lamar Jackson, but in theory, if they gave that much up to get Earl Thomas right now, you would think they might they might want to keep him for next year. And I'm not sure they're going to keep Brandon Graham because I think he might be out of their price. Like, could you imagine if yeah, they, oh, they picked no. they picked Earl Thomas over him almost ten years later? <laughs> that would have just been like insult to injury or something. Hey, look, weirder but it, sh- weirder, I mean, weirder stuff has happened in Philly. I mean, you've talked about Namdi silence, which is a term you coined. Where yes, Namdi explain silence. it. For okay, me. so Namdi silence. Uh, when Namdi Asamoah was a free agent, everybody made a big deal out of him possibly going to the Cowboys, possibly going to the Jets, possibly going, uh, I believe, to New York. And in the middle, I don't remember who the NFL insider was, but on NFL Network, they had one of the insiders talking about where he was going, and they had to cut him off because he signed with the Eagles. <laughs> no one was talking about that. It was just such a quiet thing, and I think how he makes deals when you least expect it, the Jai trade came kind of out of nowhere. Uh, heck, even the Ernie Sims three-way trade with Ernie the, Sims, the rare three-way trade. I, I'll never forget yeah, that this. Doesn't, that doesn't happen in the NFL. Right, he traded uh, a draft pick to, I want to say, to Denver, who then traded 
Tony Scheffler to Detroit, and then tra- Detroit traded Ernie Sims <laughs> to Philly. It was mind-boggling at the time. But he makes those types of trades. And, I mean, Mike Bennett, who saw that coming? So Fifth-round pick, yeah. Right. So, again, Namdi silence. It could happen. Uh, all I'm saying is, like, if there was a star, like, Le'Veon Bell doesn't realistically make any sense, both financially or just situation, personality, their need for him, the Eagles' value, valuation of running backs. But Earl Thomas kind of makes some sense. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they'll do it. That might be a little, like, out of Howie's price range, but they have the capital to do it. They have the, you know, the personnel. They have Michael Bennett in the locker room. He played with Earl Thomas for a long time. So I, I don't but, know. You I, know, I, I, I think there's less than 0% chance that Howie calls the Seahawks, is what I would say. Those guys, you know, Earl Thomas makes sense. You know who makes dollars? Rashard Matthews, who's now a free agent. Uh, We're talking about the Titans. I still think that there's a need for a third guy, even with Jeffrey back in the lineup. I I, I think Nelson Aguilar is going to turn out to be an absolute star. I think Jeffrey is going to be solid for the next three years. And what do you have after that? But what do you have after that? And I think... Uh, taking a flyer on Rashard Matthews while he might be like the third guy. He's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of talent. He's definitely an upgrade over Kamar Aiken. Um, Jordan Matthews. Jordan Matthews. Uh, you know, who they were all rapping today in the locker room. It was very interesting. <laughs> um, but it's Friday. It's a Friday. But spirits are up. Uh, <laughs> but I think Matthews would make a lot of sense, especially because you wouldn't have to give up compensation for him other than maybe compensating him as a person. Uh, it would probably would be a pretty cheap deal for like a one-year thing. Yeah, what a one-year, two million, whatever. Well, I, I think we're on the same page on that one. All right. We kind of sidetracked a little bit, but I did pick the Eagles 21 to 10. We'll end on that note. Before we go, as always, make sure you subscribe. We're on all the podcasting apps including iHeartRadio, YouTube, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. Write us a review, ask a question, we will answer it on the podcast or tweet it at us. I'm at Zach Blatt. You're at Mike underscore E underscore K. The That's worst, a mouthful. The worst Twitter <laughs> handle in the history of the world, but you guys know this. You know, For you guys that have been writing with me since, since the old days, you know it's been around for a bit. <laughs> All right, well, on that note, we'll see you guys out in Nash Vegas. We'll have a post-game pod on Sunday. Thanks for listening.